Father, I know that you love us and I know you care about us and I know, Lord, you love to bless us. You're a father who loves to give us good gifts. And James, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so I pray today we'd understand how real that is. And Lord, we would be people who trust in you and live with you and, and experience the idea of being blessed by you and know whenever we get blessed, we're blessed to be a blessing. And I pray we'll live that out. We're blessed to be a blessing. And I pray that, that people are gonna understand what it means to live life with you that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're living in a kind of wild times right now. And I don't know if you heard about the guy. He was at McDonald's at the drive-thru trying to order. And I guess he felt like maybe the car behind him, the woman behind him, thought he was taking too long. So in the midst of him trying to order, she's honking her horn at him. And, and he's thinking, are you kidding me? So he finally gets his order done and he pulls up. She pulls up. Then when he gets to the second window at McDonald's, he said, hey, I want to pay for the car behind me. So he pays for his order, pays for her order. And then when she gets to the second window, all of a sudden she's shocked. She even leans out the window and says, goes like this and, and mouths, thank you, thank you. And he's like, okay. Then he gets up to the first window. He shows both receipts and he says, give me all the food. He takes her food and drives off. <laughs> okay, uh, that, that's not what it means, blessed to be a blessing, but I, I just, anybody think that's funny? If you think that's funny, put it in the chat or hopefully you're outside. But you know what? The reality is, is right now, many people are doing something. And you've probably done this before. I, again, I wanna know if you've done this. Have you ever made a deal with God? Have you ever made a deal with God? Have you ever said, God, if only you'll get me out of this, then I will blank. I, I will go to church every week. I'll listen to every sermon. I'll, I'll, I'll pray every day. Uh, I'll give up this. God, if only, if only, if only. And maybe your deal was, God, if only I get that promotion, then. You know what? I'm going to be more faithful than ever. Uh, uh, if God, if only I get that raise. I just need that raise. If it comes through this time, then Lord, I promise, you know, I'll even start serving in ministry and, or I'll do, you know, I'll, and, and you, you, you make a deal with God. Or how about this? If uh, no one finds out what I did, uh, if no one knows what I said, if the person I said it about never hears it, or uh, maybe it's this one, you know, you say, God, you know what? If I don't have to face that consequence for what I, then God, I promise if you let me off this time, then I'll never do it again and I will. And then you make this deal with God. Uh, so many times people do that. They're making deals with God. And one of the things I want you to think about is that we see people uh, not understanding how God loves you and cares about you in those moments. Uh, but what it might speak to even more is that you know that God is active. Sometimes, even though I, I wanna be careful with the, this idea that you ever make a deal with God, but at least you're probably believing God somehow will intercede in your life, intervene in your life, be a part of your life. So you start to get that sore throat and you're like, Lord, please don't let it be COVID-19. I mean, I know I was at that party at the Lake of the Ozarks and, and didn't social distance. <laughs> Anybody see that on the news? And I just don't wanna get that disease. I don't want it to be the time. I don't want... And, and we wonder how active God is, how real God is, how, how involved God is in our life. And so when we talk about keeping it real, keeping it real means you do know God's active. You do know God's involved. You do know God's there. And, but we got to do it in the right way. 
for the right reasons. That, that's the big thing, the right way and the right reasons. And I want to ask you this question. Do you believe, do you believe you can't outgive God? I do. I believe you can't outgive God. I, I, I believe that from God's word. I believe that from living life with God all these years. You and I can't outgive God. Matter of fact, right now, some of you in the chat put amen. You can't outgive God. Some of you in the chat put, I know it's true. Uh, you know, somebody put it in there, preach it, preach it. Uh, but you know what? I want you to know you can't outgive God. And in this section in Corinthians, we're going to see that. Uh, we're in a study in 2 Corinthians called Keeping It Real, where we want to keep our faith real. Two weeks ago, Two weeks ago, Patty taught an incredible message. By the way, I thought it was awesome. Pa- Patty brought it. And, and Patty brought out this, when the going gets tough, don't tap out. And what happened is in chapter eight and chapter nine of 2 Corinthians, Paul's concerned that now that they've hit some hard times, now that the economy's gone against them, now that things aren't certain, that there's a danger they're gonna tap out in the area of giving that they're going to hold out on God, that they're not going to be faithful. And, and there's two reasons Paul had for that. One is he didn't want them to do that because he knew God was actively involved in their life. And two, get ready for this. They had made, they had made a public commitment on what they were going to do financially as a church. They actually made a commitment and said, here's what we're going to do financially as a church. And Paul said, I've been telling everybody what you said you'd do. I don't want to find out you're not going to do it. Uh, And so in that moment, uh, Paul's concerned for them. And so when we talk about keeping it real and God is involved, I I want you to know God's involved in your finances. He really is. Now, I know people get uncomfortable about that, and I don't want you to get uncomfortable. Please don't click off or tune me out because you need to know these truths. And there are some lessons here that you need to know, some truths here that'll be life-changing for you if you lean in and if you practice these things and become a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So the first thing I want you to know, the first lesson or truth I want you to grab hold of that's in 2 Corinthians, this one, it's that our giving is an outward example to others of our inward faith. Our giving is an outward example of others to others of our inward faith. In other words, there are certain ways we can know what's in people's hearts. The Bible actually says that. You know, if you said, I can't know what's in your heart. Well, the Bible says there's two ways I can know what's in your heart. One, the words you say come from your heart. So if I listen to you talk long enough, I know what you love. I know what you have a passion for. I know what you value. By the way, if you don't ever talk about God, then we got to talk about that. The second way the Bible says we can know what's in your heart is based on your finances, the way you handle your money. And so what Paul is in now is saying this. He said, I want you to know that you made that commitment. I want you to know that the fact you made it has already strengthened other people's faith, but it's so important now that you keep it. You, you got to do it by faith. You got to make that choice to not tap out, not give in. You got to do it. You got to do it. And Paul says this, it's going to get embarrassing for me and embarrassing for you if you don't find the reality of what you said you're going to do. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 picks up from chapter 8 with these words. It says, for it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. That's the idea of giving is what he's saying. He's talking about, 
I don't need to, it, it just seems crazy that I'd have to write that for you. He says, for I know your readiness of which I boast about to the Macedonians. They were in Corinth, an incredible city in that area. Uh, it had a lot of issues and problems, but a thriving church in Corinth. And he said, but the Macedonian Christians over in another part of Greece, they, they, they know about what you're doing. And I went and told them, I said, hey, you guys, do you know what the Corinthians committed to do? And, and he said, I, I, I know that you had a readiness, so I boasted about it. I bragged about it. And he says, namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. So what he said is, when you guys made your commitment, the Macedonians got excited. They jumped in. The Achaeans got excited. They jumped in. And, and you know, everybody was ready to be a part of this together. And he said, so I want you to know that. And he goes, but I have sent the brethren. He goes, I've sent people to you in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case. Now, what is he saying? He said, I'm, I'm sending a delegation to go get the money that you said you'd give to bring it back so it can be used where it's going to be used. He said, but I don't want to have them get there and it's empty. Uh, there's nothing to it. And he goes, so that I was saying uh, uh, to you that you may be prepared. He said, get ready, make sure you're ready. Otherwise, if any of the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to speak of you will be put to shame by this confidence. He goes, man, we're going to get embarrassed. We're going to get embarrassed if you, you don't actually keep your, your faith-filled promise to God. And he said, I don't want that to happen. And then now he tells what could ruin it, what could ruin their giving. So I thought it necessary to urge you, brethren, that they wouldn't go on ahead of you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift. You see what they had promised was bountiful. It was big. Now he never forced them. He never uh, compelled them. He said, so what God, what's God leading you to do? And God was leading him to do something big. Every now and then God leads us to give what's called the extravagant offering. We always give tithes to God. The first 10% that comes in should go to God. That's the tithe. Then there's the offering. That's anything above that. But the Bible also teaches we give to God an extravagant offering every now and then. And the church together was about to do that. They had partnered together and they had made that promise. He goes, so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by what? Covetous. Not affected by covetousness. What would stop them from fulfilling the promise? What would make them tap out? What would make them not do this? Uh, it, it would be the fact that they were coveting. And so he said, I don't want that to happen to you. So I, I want you to think about this. Uh, every now and then churches get together and say, we're gonna do something really big together for God. We've, in the boldly blessed season, we've been doing that. But, but there was a time when Hurricane Sandy hit. Uh, the, I don't know if you remember, it devastated the East Coast, and in, in particular, an area of New York City. And so I reached out to my friend, Rich Viedos, who uh, is an incredible pastor in New York City. And, and I said, hey, what can we do to help? And he began to tell us some of the needs. And I got with our church and I said, hey, can we do that crossroads? Here we are in California. Can we cross the country and make a difference? And so we agreed we were going to do things that would be meaningful, give things that would be meaningful, send a team of people to help those who couldn't afford it, rebuild their homes or, 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 or fix the homes up from the destruction. And so I told Rich, we're going to do it. And he was so excited. He goes, I, I am so blessed by that. And he told their church, he went to the church and said, there's a church in California that's diving in to help us and help our people. And man, that encouraged them. Do you know what? Think about, imagine if I had to call back later and say, ah, we're not going to do it. 
you know, the weather's too nice at the beach and our people decided they want to go on vacation instead. And do you know how embarrassing that would be? Rich had already told other churches, Crossroads is doing this. I had told some other churches, do you want to dive in and help us? The thing is, we don't have to imagine we didn't do it because we did do it. We did do it. And, and you know what? To this day, I still get thank yous. To this day, I still get others saying, man, what a great church Crossroads is. And, and we don't do it so we're great. But I want to say this, our giving, our supporting, our partnering is an outward, ex- uh, uh, outward example of an inward faith. How do I know the faith of this church is real and vibrant when we get a chance to do things like that together? And Paul said, don't ever stop doing that. Don't ever let circumstances stop you from it. Why? It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I want to know where your heart is, one way I know, is by seeing how committed you are to giving. Uh, and, and when we do that together, incredible things occur. But so we, we right now, by the way, as a church, we, we made a commitment uh, to say, hey, we want to help this place in, a, in a, an area of Kenya called Alterat. And in Alterat, we found out there were little girls at age of eight being married to older men, being made child brides. And I don't want to just use that word too quickly. I, I a nice way of saying they were put into what I would call a devastating situation. An eight-year-old girl married to an old man. And they had a honeymoon. They had all. We found out that was happening. We found out the boys at age of eight weren't going to school. They were being put out in, in almost indentured slavery, servanthood. And uh, we, we, got a, we got partnered with our, our friends in Kenya and we said, can we be a part of helping stop that? And, and so they met with the village elders and, and they said, if we build a school, if Crossroads builds a school and gives a chance for your kids to get an education, will you stop doing this practice? And 100% said, we will. They said that we will. And so guess what, Crossroads, we're build that. We built the first part of that school. We're finishing that school up. We're making it happen right now. Man, look at that school. We're doing that together. And that's more than a building. It's a place that kids get to be kids and girls get to be girls and boys get to be boys. And, and, and we made that commitment. And when we made the commitment, guess what? They believed we'd do it. And we did. It had been so embarrassing if I midway through said, no, you got to go back to the elders and say we're not in. But, but that would be embarrassing when we had a chance to make a difference like that. And we also made a difference by starting a church and, and adding on to the school we have in Kiamiko. And we, we saw we were reaching thousands of children and rescuing them from poverty. Kiamiko is one of the worst slums in all the world. And, and you know what, Crossroads, we got, went in there and we said to our partners there, hey, you can trust us. We made a promise and we're going to come and make a difference. And, and by the way, there's all these people who are out there bragging. Look at that. By the way, look at that school we built. Man, it, it, it's incredible. It actually stands out. It stands up and stands out in that area, that slum, and says, you know what? There's a church that cares and we made a promise and so we delivered because that's where our hearts are and that's what we do. Uh, there's a ministry called Sheer Love in Thailand. Uh, and I know some of you go, man, Chuck, you talk about that all the time. I want you to look at that. That's what we built together. And it's a place that's considered in the world as the capital of sex trafficking, where there are tours arranged for people to go and have sex with girls and boys. 
Uh, and when we found out that was going on, and one of the people in our church, Diana Batista, said, I just can't live with that. And she was an incredible cosmetologist, you know, in hair. And, and that she, she said, I'll go. And if we can rescue the girls, and then now we're rescuing men and boys, uh, we will teach them to either be barbers or we'll teach them to be beauticians and, and give them a trade so they don't have to go back to that. And so we were doing that. And so we built that as a, as a beauty school. We built that as a place to give them hope. And, and we made a promise we'd do that. Here's the good news. You see, it's fulfilled. So we made a promise to give a bountiful gift and we delivered. And you know what? Paul said to the Corinthian church, I need to make sure you guys deliver. I need to make sure you don't stop. I know finances are hard right now. I know there's even a danger of persecution. I know the tides turned against you. He said, but don't stop giving to God. Now he's going to tell them why in a minute. But he said, when you give to God, I want you to know that's an outward sign of your inward faith. Now, look what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says these words. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So here's what that's saying. It's saying, you know what, Crossroads and all Christians and, and everybody, it, there needs to be an outward sign of your inward faith. You need to shine out. A light is no good if it's not turned on. Turn the light on. And one way we turn the light on is by giving to God faithfully. And then we come together and we make world-impacting things happen. And so the Lord wants you and I to do that. But remember what can stop it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 5, Paul said these words. He said, this is the danger. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. So what is it would stop people from giving to God? What would stop people from committing a sin of not being faithful in their giving to God? The tithe belongs to God, the first 10%. Uh, uh, and you know what? What would stop someone who's a Christian from giving the first 10%? What would stop them from giving offerings? What would stop them from keeping their commitment? And he said, it's this thing called covetousness, covetousness. And what are we talking about there? We're talking about the word covetousness is greedy. We're greedy and say, no, I'm going to keep it because it's mine. Grasping is another way to, to say covetousness. I'm not going to let go. Having or showing a strong desire for especially material possessions. I'm going to buy stuff for me rather than give to God. Uh, and there's a synonym means to be consumed with, to crave, to want. So we make life about what we want, not what God wants. And, and, and we put ourselves first. And by the way, covetousness means I worship me and my own desires. And, and I'm not going to give to God. And I'm not going to give to others. Um, I actually talked to a Catholic priest and, he, he, and I said, what's it like to do confession? I, I just think that's so intriguing, you know? And, and here's what he said to me. He said, Chuck, in 27 years of hearing people's confession... I think the thing that surprises me most is not one person has ever confessed the sin of being covetous. I was like, wow. He goes, they've confessed everything else but that, but that's probably the number one sin they've committed. And I thought, that's so intriguing. Have you ever thought about that? Are you covetous? Uh, you know what? Is, is so many people are. See, if the statistics are true, and I think they are, 80% of people who call themselves born-again Christians are covetous and not giving to God. 
80% don't tithe. 80% don't put God first in their finances. And Jesus said, what? That's a sign of your heart. Paul said in this section, that's a sign of your faith. It's an outward sign of your inward faith. And so if 80% aren't doing it, then then 80% are in sin because they don't trust God enough with this. And, And don't miss this. It's not about money. It's about the heart. It's about faith. It's about how real we are. And so that bummer is this. Here's the bummer. People who are holding back are holding back on God and they're stealing from themselves because I believe you can't outgive God. So the one they're stealing from, because if you don't give the tithe, you're stealing. God says that. If you don't do that, then here's the thing. God says you're stealing from the one who wants to bless you. Malachi actually gets so clear about this in Malachi 3 verse 8 where it says, will a man rob God? By the way, when anybody actually rob God, And the answer is people do. Yet you're robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? And God says this in tithes and offerings. The tithe is the first 10% you give to God. Offerings, what you give is God blesses you. You, God gives to you and blesses you. So you bless God, bless others, and God blesses you more. And so now you give an offering. And he goes, but you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. God, because it's not one or two, it's the whole, all of you. Right now, you know what God is saying? 80% of people in the United States who call themselves Christians are stealing from the one who wants to bless them, from the father who loves them. 80%. I hope that's not you. I hope that's not you. But the first lesson I want you to learn is this. It's a truth I want you to know is that our giving is an outward example to others of our inward faith. So this is true. So right now, how are you doing in this? How are you? Then number two, the second thing we want you to know is this. God will reward you according to your faith and obedience. Look at that with me again. Because this is what Paul's about to tell you. Paul's gonna tell the Corinthians, God will reward you. God will bless you. You can't outgive God. He'll bless you according though to your faith and obedience. So God says, I am going to bless you in direct proportion to the way that you trust me in this area of your life. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now what he's talking about here, it's clear if you read the context, he's saying, you guys got to give that bountiful gift. You need to give the money you said, but if you hold back on God and sow sparingly, you're not going to get blessed at least not very much. But if you give that bountiful gift, you made a big commitment. I want to tell you, you can't outgive God. That's what he's saying right here. And so you need to know that's true. Paul's saying you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Now, by the way, I don't want to make this some like magic potion. Okay. I give God a dollar and he gives me $10. Uh, I, you know, I give it, I, I give my tithe to God and all of a sudden I get my, my credit card statement and somebody actually paid it off. It's just gone. Um, you know, I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. But we are saying God is going to bless. God is going to move. Uh, that something will happen to the 90% of your finances when you're faithful by giving the first 10%. That's what Pam and I have found to be true. Whenever we give God the full 10%, something happens on the 90% side that I can't explain. Uh, that somehow it comes out better. Somehow it goes further. Somehow we have less want and need. It just happens that way. It just happens that way. And and so I want you to know that. Now, by the way, but let me say this to you. 
God wants you to be faithful. God wants you to, to do that. And so he's created this incredible spiritual equation. And, and I want to show it to you. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. And, and, and by the way, you know how true that is in nature. If you plant one seed, you're only going to get one plant, but you'll get a return. But if you plant 100 seeds, you're going to get 100 plants with 100 times as much as return. See, so we know that that's true when it comes to agriculture. It also is true when it comes to finances. So if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You want to get a big harvest? Guess what? Sow more. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. See, that's the equation that Paul says. So let me ask you where you are in this. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get up front. Get ready. A bunch of you are about to click off or hit don't like. Get ready. Get ready. Some of you aren't even in here. Some of you are, I sow nothing and expect God to bless me. That's not even in there. You got it. You got to choose to do it. You got to choose to do it. By the way, if you're brand new, you're going to find out something true about Crossroads. We always preach God's word, never hold back. I'm showing you this in scripture. Uh, and, and you need to understand how true this is. And so we need to understand that. See, you, you need to understand God wants to bless you. But when you get blessed by God, you're blessed to be a what? By the way, put it in the chat. You're blessed to be a what? A blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. So when I get blessed by God and God blesses me all the time and he blesses you all the time, then I bless God, bless others. And, and so we're blessed to be a blessing. Uh, Jesus said this, by the way, in Acts chapter 20, verse 33, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than receive. So I had shared this with Drew Brees and Drew goes, I didn't even know that that was there, but I live it. I see it's true is that there's the cycle of blessing. So it's more blessed to give than receive. How does the cycle of blessing work? How does the sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow bountifully, reap bountifully work? Here's how it works. God blesses me. So I turn around and I bless God and then I bless others. But it's, what happens is it's more blessed to give than receive. So I get blessed, so now I give, which means I get more blessed because it's more blessed to give than receive. So I get more blessing in my life, which I turn around and bless God, bless others, which means I get even more blessing. And, and so I live in that cycle of blessing. And I want you in that cycle of blessing where whenever you get blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing, which means you'll get more blessed. And God wants you and I to do that. So what does God say to us? God the Father in Malachi, remember he said, you're robbing from me. He said, how to stop that? How to stop that curse and that problem is Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. I believe that verse. I know it's true. I believe it because the Bible says it and God says it. And I believe it because we get to live it. Now, right now, let me say this, that, that word tithe means the first 10% that comes in, I give that to God. First 10% comes in, I give to God. Uh, and, and it's first. It's not even a question. If I don't do it, God said you're stealing. When I do do it, God said, I'll bless you. Let me share something. We do this every now and then at Crossroads. I know for some of you, many of you, you think, man, I don't know. Chuck, you don't know my finances. You know how th tight things are. You don't know. And over the years, I, I, I realized how hard that is. And when I say, all right, but would you take a step of faith? Would you trust God? And, and I realize it's hard. It's scary. Now, here's what I want you to know. I, you need to do it, but the Bible doesn't say you have to do it alone. 
You need to do it, but the Bible doesn't say you have to do it alone. Matter of fact, whenever you walk with God, whenever you take that step of faith, you should do that always in community. So we want to be your church and we want to do this with you. So let me tell you this. We call it a tithe challenge. And every now and then we'll do this. So I want to do this starting today. If you will choose to tithe, if you'll give the first 10% to God, which is an outward sign of your inward faith, which is the idea that God's going to bless you and you get ready to get blessed in proportion to what you do. If you will choose to do that and you'll give a full tithe for the next three months, and, and if you do that and God doesn't bless you, then we'll give you all your money back for three months. We'll give you three months back. Now, I want to be honest. You have to choose to give a full tithe. You have to do it faithfully. You have to do it in an identifiable way. We got to know that you did it. We got to be able to track it. And then, and then what will we do? At three months from now, so July, August, September, into September, if you don't go, God bless me, we'll give you all your money back. Now, here's the thing you need to know. We have done that over the years. Never, never has that happened. Uh, lots of people have said yes and, and, and said, okay. Lots of people have taken this verse and said, all right, I'll do it. And, and you know what? God always comes through because you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. So right now, it's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. This is about you living the way God wants. This is about you experiencing God in a way that's incredible. So I want you to do that. I want you to be a part of that. And I don't want you to live under the curse. See, some of you right now are living in the curse when you could be living in the blessing. I, I was thinking about this right now. Do you know what? Uh, the number one thing I have found over the years is typically the wife is ready to do it and the husband's not. Every now and then it switches. That's the minority. And I'm thinking how many dads are putting their family under a curse because they won't choose to live this way. They tell their wife, no, we're not going to do that. Or they'll say, you don't understand the finances. And, and I want to tell you, but do you understand the faith? And how many dads are doing that? And the family suffers. You, your wife suffers. Your kids suffer because you won't be faithful. How many? Some of you guys out there, that's you. And you know what? Is you could try everything you want. You say, well, the church wants my money. Guess what? When you say that, you have a sin of covetousness because it's not yours. You're coveting. And, and you're holding on and you're not letting go. And, and you know what it's like? It's like the alcoholic father who the kids don't drink, the wife doesn't drink, but everybody else suffers because he's an alcoholic. And so the, the, the selfish, covetous father, man, the wife suffers and the kids suffer because you won't let your family get blessed and you stay in the curse. And I'm saying, stop that. Don't do that. Be better, be bolder, be braver. Turn to your family. Say, you know what? I'm going to just get it out there. I'm sorry. I'm ready to do it. I'll take up that tithe challenge. We'll see what God does together. We're going to start. And next time we have an opportunity to give to God, we're going to give faithfully to God. And, and so we need to do that. See, there are two practical aspects of what Paul gets into in this idea of God will bless you in proportion to your faith. Uh, and, and so the first one I want you to miss is this. It's in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says you have to do this intentionally. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. By the way, if you're going, well, okay, I feel guilty and that's why I'll do it. Don't do it for that reason. That can't be your reason. Now, I'm not trying to heap guilt on you. I'm trying to tell you we'll join you on a journey. 
So it shouldn't be grudging and it shouldn't be under compulsion. So if you're going, oh, I got to do it, well, then don't do it. Or if it's like, well, you know, the church is forcing me. No, don't do it for that reason. Do it because you purpose it in your heart for God loves a cheerful giver. So the first thing you got to do is you got to make sure that you're doing it intentionally. And so you actually say, first 10% goes to God. And I'm going to do that intentionally. Uh, By the way, something else Pam and I do, and I'd love for you to do this too, because I believe Whenever God blesses me, I want to bless him and bless others. Uh, Pam and I, in our budget, we have an envelope where every month, every paycheck, actually every paycheck, we put money in that envelope to help other people. And and so we we give faithfully to God. Uh, We give the tithe, we give the offering, but we also have this envelope and we have an amount we put in there. And then uh, sometimes we we right away help somebody. Sometimes it grows. And and there are times like we're praying, like, well, right now we haven't found that person to help or that family to help or that cause to help. And, and then what happens is it grows and grows and grows and grows. And, and then we go, whoa, we're going to bless somebody with this. And do you know what it's like when you start blessing other people? You get blessed because it's more blessed to give than receive. By the way, if you don't even know what an envelope is, <laughs> I, I get that. There's a, a, a way of budgeting, which we call the envelope system. And, and it's based on biblical principles. And we have a, a ministry called Financial Peace University, FPU. It, we partner with Dave Ramsey. Uh, and it helps you get out of debt and stay out of debt. And it helps you handle your finances correctly and build and not find yourself going backwards. Uh, and man, lots of people, when the coronavirus hit, have said to us, Thank you, you taught us to be debt-free. So even at a time like this, we can teach you that. FPU is available for you because we want you to be a part of living your life the right way. And, and so it's, it's kind of big. But part of that is having that envelope that says, you know what? I want to bless other people. See, it's so interesting that what happens is Pam and I, prior to ever doing this, we never had enough. It seemed like we ran out of money before the next paycheck came. Then, then we started turning to God and giving to him and blessing others. And, and we found that we have more, not less. I'm telling you, something happens. Something happens when you do that. And, and so the number one thing is got to be intentional. The second thing is got to be cheerful. It says, because God loves a cheerful, <laughs> it just popped off. God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, it ought to be a joy to give to God. I, I actually rejoice when we get a chance to give to God. I rejoice when we get a chance to give an offering to God. Uh, I rejoice when we get a chance to bless other people. It has to be with joy. A lot of people don't have that joy. I don't know if you heard about the pastor who was preaching to his church and he said, you know what? It's time. It's time that we had faith like you can't imagine. He said, we need to be like the cripple who was told to walk and and the church yelled back, let us walk, let us walk. And then he said, you know, we need to be like Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he ran and the church yelled out, let us run, let us run. He said, then we need to be like the eagle and we need to soar, and we need to fly. And his church yelled back, let us fly, let us fly. And he said, church, if we're going to fly, then we need to take our money and be faithful and give to God. And it was silent. And then someone yelled, let us walk, let us walk. (laughs) Okay, I think that's so funny. I think that's funny. Uh, You know, okay, anyway. um, Too often, we lose that joy of cheerful giving. Uh, when I, I was a child and, and my mom and dad, every now and then we go to church, my dad always would give my sister and I some money to put in the offering. I cannot tell you how that felt. 
Anybody have that happen? Anybody remember that as a kid when your dad gave you maybe a dollar or something and you're sitting there and I couldn't wait to put it in the offer. I mean, I was like so excited because I had that childlike faith. And, and, and then I watched my grandkids that way. They just, they love to give to God. They love to be a part of that. Uh, and, and you know what? I, I look and say, that's, that's that childlike faith, that cheerful giving. And we need to have faith like a child, Jesus says. We need to have that, that cheerfulness. So if I'm going to give correctly and find that God is going to bless because of who I'm going to sow bountifully, if I'm going to give correctly, it's got to be intentional and, and it's got to be, it's got to be cheerful. And so God wants that for us. God wants that for us. And then God's going to bless you according to your faith. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 to 7, if you want to write that down, 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 to 7, there's an incredible story that happens there. And it's about a man named Elisha. Elisha was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. One of the most powerful people in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, where that means the Holy Spirit came on him, was in him, and used him to do miracle after miracle and, and do great, great feats for God. And Elisha happened to come to a town and there was a widow there. And, and the widow husband had died and, and she didn't, and, and left her nothing. Her and her two children were destitute. They're bankrupt. And she said to Elisha, she said, you know what? We're not making it. I think I'm going to lose my kids. I don't know what to do. And Elisha said, well, do you have anything? And she said, I've got a little bit of oil. And he said, I want you to do this. I want you to grab your kids and I want you to go get every empty jar you can, get as big as possible, get every jar you can. And then you want you to bring them to your home, make sure they're empty. And then I want to take you to take that little bit of oil you have and I want you to pour it in and, and just start filling them up. And she only had a little bit of oil and yet she had a faith to trust that God would do what Elisha said. And so she went out and they got every single jar they could. I mean, big ones, little ones, every one they could. And they got it in and she gathered her kids and go watch kids. And she starts pouring the oil and she fills the first one and she fills the second one. I mean, she's filling them to the brim. Uh, this little bit of oil is filling huge, huge jars. And then she gets to where the, she's at the last one and she pours and fills it to the brim. And she turns to her son and says, give me another jar. And he goes, there's not anymore. And the oil stopped running. She goes back to Elisha. She said, we have so much now. He said, I want you to sell it. Pay off your debts and there'll be enough money for you to live on the rest of your life. What's the lesson that God teaches us in that very true story? It was this. If they only got half the amount of jars, they only got half the amount of oil. They wouldn't have been able to pay off all the debt necessarily. They wouldn't have been able to live the way they could have lived. But because they were faithful, God blessed them in proportion to how faithful they were and how many jars they caught. If they had gotten five more jars, they would have got five more jars of oil and had even more to live on. What I'm telling you is there's something that happens when you trust God that way. God is active and God wants you to trust him. Second Corinthians chapter 9, 9 to 11 says this. It says, as it is written, he scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So he says, that's who I want you guys to be. He goes, I want the Macedonians to know you're people who scatter abroad. You take what God gives and you bless others in broad ways and you give to the poor. And that's one of the things we do through this church. And, and, and he goes, man, your righteousness shines out forever. And then it says about God this, now he, God, now, now God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. 
Look at that. He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God said, if you trust me, I'll supply for you and then I'll multiply for you. So God promises to do that. And he goes, you will be enriched in everything. Let's stop there. God said, I will enrich you, but there's a reason for all liberality. Now, what does that mean? I will bless you so you can bless others. I will bless you so you can bless me back and bless others. God said, I want, I'll bless you. And we turn around and say, God, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless others. And God blesses you more. And I'm going to bless you and bless others. He said, but this happens for you not to be selfish. It's not about you and I getting rich. It's about you and I being generous. He goes, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. And I want to tell you, it works. And you start realizing people who live this way are so thankful for it. People who live this way have such an attitude about it. And this is what never fails to be the case when I preach on this. Whenever I teach on this, and I'm straight out of God's word, I'm teaching you this. Uh, whenever I teach on it, I have a big group of people saying, oh man, you're all about money and I don't care about you guys. But I think that tells more about you than it does me. I'm just gonna get it out there. Then I have another group saying, man, I, I just don't know if I can do this. And I've already told you, we'll do it with you. But then I have another group who says, Chuck, you got to preach this more. You got to teach this more. What is that group? That's the group of people who are living it. Once you start living this way, you start realizing it's real. Why? Because God is directly involved in your life. And you begin to see that. And your heart becomes more and more God's. Why? Because out of the, you know, the, the, the Bible says that those who love God, they give to God. Uh, and it says that out of, the tra- out of your heart is, is where that treasure proceeds. And so when Jesus starts talking about that, it's true. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. So I, my heart, do I talk about the Lord? Do I praise God? Do I bless God with my words? And do I bless God with my money? Interesting. One way we bless God is in praise. Another is in faithful giving. And God said, whenever you do that, I I get involved in your life and I start being a part of what's happening for you. God wants that for you. And it's real. It's real. So if you don't tithe right now, take the challenge with us. Right now, text GIVE to 69922. And, And you know what? Start being faithful. Right now, if you're not living your life with God, I'm gonna ask you to do something else. I'm gonna ask you to text AMEN, which means the truth, to 69922. I'm going to ask you to text amen to 69922. Why? Because in doing that, what you're about to say is, I'm ready to live my life for God. I want you to grab your phone, grab your iPad. In a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer. And when you pray that prayer, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to commit your life to God. Some of you need to do this for the very first time. You know, right now you need to know God loves you and he cares about you, but he doesn't want to be a God who's out here. He wants to be a God who's here and close and loving you and caring for you and experiencing him. The other day I walked outside and I I just felt the presence of God. I want you to be able to walk outside and feel the presence of God. And and so that's a powerful thing. So when you text amen means I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to give my life to Christ or I'm going to recommit my life to Christ. Pray that prayer with me. Right now, someone in New York just said amen. I'm going to pray that prayer. Praise God for you. And you know what? Uh, Wherever you are, anywhere in the world, God's with you. But you got to let God be with you. You got to open up your heart to him. So if you right now aren't living your life with God, where it's, you can see he's with you, he's guiding you, 
He's touching you. He's moving with you. Then pray that prayer with me. Say that prayer. And so what I want to do right now is I want to pray for some of you to pray the prayer for the first time or pray the prayer to recommit or pray the prayer to get your marriage right or pray the prayer to get free from something. Maybe you're in bondage to alcohol. Maybe you're in bondage to pornography. Maybe you're in bondage to all those bad habits. We're going to talk about how to break pretty soon in July. But, but right now, pray that prayer because that's where it all begins. God loves you. You can't outgive God. God wants to bless you. I'm going to ask you, are you ready to say yes to God? Are you ready to come to know him? And the Bible says there's two steps we take to begin that walk of faith. One is to pray that prayer and make a commitment. The second one is to make it known. That's why you text amen. So let me pray for you first. Father, I pray right now for those who are out there that need to have a real faith in you. Not just kind of believe you're there, but to actually really have a loving trust faith in you where they'll say yes to you, they'll open their heart to you, they'll commit their life to you. And I pray they will right now. And Lord, I know that where, while I can't see them, you can and, and do. They may be out on the patio of the church right now and they need to say yes to you. They may be in Texas and need to say yes to you. They may be right here watching in their living room and need to say yes. They might be even driving in a car Matter of fact, I think there's someone driving in a car and we don't want them to text yet. <laughs> but we want them to pray the prayer and when they can, text yes, amen. Amen. God, I pray for that person in the car. I pray for that person in their house. I pray for the person on the church patio that need to say yes to you and, and find that, Lord, you love them, you care about them. This is their moment. So I pray right now, Lord, that they're going to say yes. They're going to text amen. Right now, if that's you, I'm going to lead that prayer and ask you to pray this prayer with me. To say these words and mean them. To open your heart to God, to commit your life to God. So what I want you to do is pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Right now, pray. Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll cleanse me and forgive me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that would hold me down or hold me back. And then say these words, I pray most of all that you will make me yours and you will make me alive and you will make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And if those are the only words you could say, just say that Go right now. Just say it. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to you and I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. And here it is. Amen. And if you haven't done it yet, text AMEN to 69922. And we're going to get back to you. And then I'm going to ask you, let us know your information. I promise we'll keep it private. Uh, it's between you and us, but we want to connect with you. We want to really be community together. We want to be your church family. So, so we want to get you some things. So text <coughs> AMEN to 69922. And, and we're going to start connecting together. But you got to get back to us when you do. And then we're going to watch God move in great ways in your life. And we want that for you. By by the way, if you're ready to take that tithe challenge, text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 69922. And you can get ready to set up for that whenever your paycheck comes or the next time of income comes. 
and we will promise to be with you on these three months journey as you watch God bless you. We can't wait for that to happen. But anyway, I want to say thanks for being with us. I know today's been one of those messages that's a little more in your face and tough, but I did it hopefully with love because I do care about you and I want you to experience God. Don't forget we're doing At The Movies in July on Friday nights and we're going to start a brand new series next week called Breaking Bad. I'm going to show you four things that you need to know that'll help you, give you power to finally break that bad habit or to break, get rid of that thing, that stronghold in your life that's hurting you and harming you and you and your family. So I want to teach you that. And, and I want to just have you understand how powerful God can be in setting you free. If you know someone who needs freedom, get a, tell them to watch. Tell them to watch with you. Invite them to watch and say, well, watch at the same time or, or come to church on the patio. But we want you to be a part of that. But as we end today, I want you to know God could not love you more than he does. God is for you. And if he's for you and you trust in him, nothing can be against you. God wants to pour blessing in your life. So may this be a week where you experience God, God's hand upon you, his love within you, his joy overflowing and his peace deep, deep within everything in your mind. God bless you and may you have a great, great week.